on air, online, on Twitter. Jennifer Campbell is always on. Unfiltered, opinionated, and ready to speak her mind at a moment's notice. This is the Jennifer Campbell Show on 570 News and Rogers TV, Cable 20. No, there ain't nothing that I gotta prove. You think your words will make me black and blue, but I, I think I'm pretty with these old boots on. It's funny when I drink too much You try and change me, you can go to hell Cause I don't wanna be nobody else I like the chip I got in my front teeth And I got bad tattoos you won't believe So kick out the jams, kick up the soul Pour another glass of that rock and roll Turn up the band, find the hole Gonna lose control tonight What do you want? Hello, good morning to you. It is Wednesday, August the 29th. Welcome to the show on Rogers Television and on 570 News. It is so good to have you along as always. We're getting closer. We are getting closer to uh, back to school. Has the, has the like nervous energy began in your house yet? Because yesterday when I picked up my youngest from camp, There was, it was like, we have to go get school supplies. We have to go get them right now. I've made a mental, I was like, wait a second. Yesterday, you didn't care. You didn't care that you had to go to school. You actually wanted me to homeschool you. You hated school today. You're all like, let's go get school supplies, which I didn't because I was happy about the enthusiasm about school. So I was like, yeah, let's go. We're going to go get school supplies, um, which was fun. But I mean, there are a few things. I mean, my he's going into grade four and um, he's like, mom, I think I need a MacBook. And I was like, um, I think you need a job. What? <laughs> mom, I, I probably need um, an iPhone. I'm like, no, markers, paper, you know, binders even, backpack, I can do that. MacBook, no. What? Where did, when did that happen? When did eight years, and he's like, well, my friend, London, true story, at camp, my friend London at, at camp, uh, you know, he's getting a new iPhone. I said, how old is London? He said he's nine. And I was like, well, you should go live at London's house because it's not happening. Nope. Tomorrow, when I pick you up from camp, you introduce me to his parents so I can see if there's any available room at their at their house. <laughs> anyway, it was just funny to me that, like, in his mind, a MacBook was actually something that perhaps we would be picking up that afternoon. You know, it's like a MacBook. I my laptop is from 1997, and <laughs> what are you going to be editing video in grade four? Are you making a movie? You can have some pencil crayons. That's what you can have. You can do it like that. So uh, Godspeed to all of you moms and dads who are doing that back-to-school shopping today. Um, have fun. I hope your ch- your children are not as uh, entitled as mine are. I mean, he's, he's in his spot now. He knows it's not, it's not happening. I said iPod. Do they still sell iPods? I'd consider that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, here's what we're going to do today. Speaking of kids, mom and ain't easy. Uh, kids in the kitchen. 
We're going to talk about that uh, coming up with um, Heidi Pola. She's a registered dietitian, and there is a new Raise a Food Lover Challenge. Uh, so this will be fun. Um, how to get those kids into the kitchen, how to get them to help in the kitchen, and hence how to get them to eat the things that come out of the kitchen. Um, always trying to do that. I know it's a struggle at the dinner table. I mean, I think that's a universal thing too, where you're like, do you just make them eat it? Do you not make them eat it? Do you say you can't have ice cream ever again? How do, I want to know how registered dietitians get their children to eat because um, I could use some tips and I'm sure you probably could too. Okay. So Frosh Week underway. Is it still called Frosh Week? Is that a thing? It's still called Frosh Week. Okay. What is your college kid spending your money on? Do you actually want to know the answer to that question? Because <laughs> there's a new study out that says um, that, well, they're lying to you. First of all, they're lying to you about what they're spending your money on. Uh, and uh, there's good news in this survey, too. There's good news about what your college kid is spending uh, your money on and their money on, too. So we'll talk about that coming up after 9.45. First up and first in this morning, we welcome Miss Oktoberfest. Michaela Emmerich into the studio. Miss Oktoberfest uh, is here with us because Miss O applications uh, are being entered right now and the deadline is soon too. Hi. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm so happy that you're here. And um, we'll talk about Miss O and your, the year that has been um, for you in just a second. But gosh, girl, after meeting you, I guess, about a year ago and watching you, uh, the way you kind of live your life on social and seeing you at events and stuff, you have this crazy energy that is just tangible to people. And it's so beautiful and so wonderful. And I just want to first of all, commend you for that beautiful oh my spirit. It's oh my just, goodness. Jen, you feel it. Jen, I actually, I can't take any credit at all. Um, I truly believe that I derive energy from the people I'm around. Um, and so I'm deriving it from you right now. I'm so excited to be here. And then in the crowd, so whether it's at Oktoberfest, like you can you can feel, you say, the tangible energy. You can feel that energy at the opening ceremonies, at the parade. Um, but then also throughout the year uh, at the various events, it's really something special in our community. So that energy all comes um, from the people here, for sure. Well, it's interesting because I was going to ask you, like, how do you do that? Where does it come from? And if of course, you answered it right there. And, and most people who are, uh, you know, leaders and and um, and in roles like that, to say that quite often that you know, surround yourself with wonderful people with open minds and big hearts, and then you'll you'll raise to that level too. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And I think that's that's really cool that you said that as well because that's kind of what Oktoberfest is that's what it stands for is the gemütlichkeit, which means the warmth, the wel- welcoming, the friendship, um, and so. What a fantastic thing and a nice alignment for our community to be doing that because everything um, that goes on in this community is really with an intention of kindness and and generosity. Um, And so Oktoberfest is a really nice way to tie that in for sure. So let's go back then to a year or maybe a little bit before then. And what made you consider, I know you've been involved in Oktoberfest most of your life, but let's talk about why you decided, Michaela, that this was the year that you wanted to be uh, part of the ambassador program. Okay, Absolutely. So I think um, this seed had already been sown when I was a kid, um, but it really started to hit home with me um, 
I was a dancer in the festival, so just a bit of, of backstory. Now, for seven years prior to uh, running last year, I had danced in the festival. Um, and so consistently being exposed to Miss Oktoberfests, who were leaders in the community and who were um, kind of using the role to bring their own personal value proposition to it, um, that just excited me so greatly. Um, just the idea and the fact that you had... Um, multiple opportunities, not just throughout the festival, but throughout the remainder of the year as well, um, to do nothing but be yourself um, and to kind of bring uh, what you are as a person, um, but also if you have passions to the table. So that was kind of uh, the sparking of why I wanted to run for that role specifically. And then also just that I have this burning um, excitement about the culture, about the festival. I went to German school, and if I'm being completely honest, my first exposure to Miss Oktoberfest, uh, she did a school visit, and she went around and she talked to the kids, listened to what they were interested in, um, and just really made a very positive impact on the environment there. So that was something that definitely drew me in for sure. So let's talk about um, about your year. I mean, it, it's an it's an exhaustive, uh, wonderful role, but yes. certainly always always something happening. You and I met in very the dynamic. in the very dynamic in the loo before we came in here, and you yes. were saying, you know, there's just there's we think of Oktoberfest, you know, that nine days in October, but really for you, it is a continuous. Yes. Uh, it's a continuous year and you is. have something just about every day for starting from now until, until October. October Fest. Amazing. Yes. Yes. I actually, the year has flown by so quickly because of the, the um, consistent flow of exciting things that are going on in the community and every time when I'm just getting comfortable, I'm just leading into school a little bit. Perhaps I haven't haven't done anything in the role for maybe a week. And then there's an email and just this burst of excitement in me because I once again get to be exposed to something that perhaps I didn't even know um, existed. Uh, something just very positive. It's, it's always neat to have, have that exposure. And then leading up, as you said, coming into September, there are things not only um, in preparation for the 50th uh, with different races. I know the Terry Fox run is occurring on the 16th. Uh, the applications for Miss Oktoberfest are coming up. And so the actual um, competition will occur in September as well. That's coming up too. Truly, Jen, it's a flood. I'm trying to I'm trying to articulate <laughs> yeah. exactly what's going on, but the the general uh, dispersion of what's coming out of my mouth is how I feel sometimes. Yeah. There's so much. Uh, it's so dynamic, and uh, generally, though, it's all kind of interwoven with an energy of pure excitement. Yeah, so. it is. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a break, and then we're gonna come back because we're gonna talk about um, we're gonna talk about the about the role and about. Um, I mean, I've been, I've been a judge for, I don't know how many years now, actually. It's quite a few. And I am truly overwhelmed every year by the caliber of human being that applies to be Miss Oktoberfest. It's overwhelming. And during the judging process, it's like, how do we, how do we even decide this? Although I do believe that the correct woman always gets the role. It seems to be that it, it's always the one that you know in your heart. But let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of the misconceptions about Miss Oktoberfest. Absolutely. Let's talk about that because it's been a big year for things like that too. Yes. Uh, we'll take a break and then uh, Michaela Emmerich, who is Miss Oktoberfest, is going to uh, tell you how you can get involved with Miss Oktoberfest. Uh, and also I want to hear what's going to be next for you too. Okay. okay. Sounds so awesome. Let's take it. a break and we'll come back after this on 570 News. 
When extreme weather hits, count on the 570 Extreme Weather Center exclusively on 570 News. Back at 919 and Miss Oktoberfest, Michaela Emmerich is with us in studio. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the application process. Absolutely. Okay, who should apply? Okay. How do they go about it? How long do they have? And maybe some people who are on the fence right now, what kind of words would you give them? Okay. Oh, those are a I know, lot of points. <laughs> okay, if I forget anything, please uh, please remind me. Um, but the... Oh my goodness! What was the first? Well, it doesn't matter. We don't have to go in order. Who is eligible to apply? Yeah, who can? Who should apply for this? Absolutely. So, if you would like to apply, of course, there are a few uh, a few regulations that are um, a little bit uh, constant, such as age. I believe it's nineteen to twenty eight, eighty kilometer radius. But all of those details can be found on missoctoberfest.ca. But generally, um, while that is a really broad demographic, if something along the lines of personal growth, professional development, public speaking opportunities, mm-hmm. networking, um, a chance to convey something that you are passionate about, a chance to grow into a person who maybe is, has exposure to something that they didn't know they were passionate about before, but maybe you just know that something inside of you is calling to serve, to give, to learn, to meet new people. Um, if any of those kind of points resonate that is something, um, the Miss Oktoberfest program is something which I would highly, highly recommend. Uh, so if you have a daughter or a niece or a friend who perhaps um, is coming out of school, even in school, I did it during my last year at Guelph, um, it, it is the most incredible, incredible opportunity to to become more involved in the community, but also see the inner workings of mm-hmm. it um, and, and yeah, be exposed to all of the incredible things going on here. What was your, um, I mean, I know the answer to these questions, but what was your main passion? What was your message during your reign as Miss Oktoberfest, which isn't over yet? Oh, that's that's challenging because while um, something that, that came about as a byproduct of Miss Oktoberfest was a little bit about my concussion story, which was um, in the Grand Magazine, I had the opportunity to speak a little bit about how an obstacle really truly was a detour in the right direction. Um, and overcoming concussions, uh, especially with the research coming out on that recently. So that was something which kind of came about. But again, at the time of applying for Miss Oktoberfest, I had no idea that that was going to be something mm-hmm. which I would have the chance to discuss or to speak about. Um, so if you are thinking, oh, I, I'd really like to run for this, I'd like to have this opportunity, but I perhaps don't have something in mind yet, mm. that is okay. Um, because the chance will be given to you and you just have to seize it and, and go after it. And again, uh, each year as the judges kind of gather and we do the interview process and spend some time with the Miss Oktoberfest um, applicants, I, I'm I truly kind of aghast in a good way about like <laughs> entrepreneurs and the, and the, um, and the yeah. amazing feats that have been, you know, that the, the, the resumes of these women are so impressive. And a lot of times people have said to me, Oh, it's kind of a, it's a, a pageant, which we, 
all of us involved have been trying so hard for so Say, long to make sure that people... Are, and I think the message has been through. I think that most pe- people understand that now. But I always say that if you want to be impressed by uh, the, the kind of list of accomplishments of a small group of women... You should come and eavesdrop on these. On these, it just makes me feel inadequate, to be completely honest. Because oh I'm like, goodness. when I was 28, I was at the Stampede every night. But it, <laughs> so it's just, it's it's amazing to me um, how much and how involved and how uh, passionate all of these applicants always are. It's quite a group. It is, and it's actually so much fun to even just be a part of that um, yeah. that process because you have the chance with these women. Uh, who are doing so many diverse, incredible mm-hmm. things. Um, I always say you you don't know what you don't know. And so to even have the exposure to different women who are chasing and blazing their own trail is inspiring in a way. So if networking with, making new friends uh, with women who who have that kind of similar drive and passion to just make change. And that's something that should be highlighted, I think, because, um, and we have heard a lot and experienced a lot as as women about, you know, kind of that mean girl syndrome, but, or that bullying, this system and this um, group always seems to attract this really supportive, um, I want you to win kind of spirit. Because I always say, I always ask, you know, has there been any issues or has there been any kind of, you know... Um, jealousy or anything like that. And always the answers are this group of women has only supported me and lifted me up. Yes. And I... I, Surround yourself with that. 100%. I can speak to that so fully. I think as well, the program really puts you in a state of of gratitude in a way, just to be to be experiencing, and especially I know um, with the food bank, you get the whole inner workings of, of everything that goes on there. And so just to see those things for the first time with a group of women, you become very close. Uh, and so I'm actually still good friends with, with many of them. And it was overall just so incredibly positive. Um, so even if you just want to apply to have the experience to um, become inspired, share what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, that's and, the perfect arena to practice that in. And and build really good bridges. And, yes. and like you've said, networking yes. a few times. Okay, so that deadline, we do have a deadline because Oktoberfest is coming. When is, is the deadline for it applications? It is approaching quickly. I believe it is September 7th. Okay. Uh, at 11.59 p.m. <laughs> I do believe if we're getting down to the details. Um, but all of the, the uh, application process and the details on misso.oktoberfest.com. Okay, so as you kind of get closer to the day, what are you feeling like? Are you feeling, you know, kind of a little bit conflicted? Like, you know, a little uh, happy to pass the crown on, sad that your time is done? How do you feel? Uh, I I have genuinely, a, that's such a difficult question because <laughs> there's so many emotions that I've experienced throughout the year because of this. Um but I, I genuinely believe that with as with anything in life, what we are given is always just enough. Mm-hmm. And so as I pass it on to the next uh, to the next woman in line, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for her because I, I actually can't even believe that it's that it's been a year yeah. because the time has flown. And you know what um, she's getting and you know what is coming for her. I so, do. Yeah, yeah. I do. A lot of <laughs> caffeine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding, really. But, uh, <laughs> 
Uh, and what's next for you? What's next for you? You said you were just finished. You're just done your last year at Guelph. Yes. Yep. I just finished um, my commerce program at the University of Guelph. And then the summer has been spent. I actually, uh, I studied marketing at Guelph. So that was kind of the the umbrella of commerce that I that I did. Um, and what that led to was a real interest in neuro-linguistic programming. So I've been learning a little bit about that this wow. summer. Studying that um, through an academy online. Uh, and then I'm hoping to take that places and I've also uh, been working on two ebooks so through social uh, hoping to hoping to uh, get those out very soon as well so you certainly are still going to need all that caffeine <laughs> that, <laughs> yes yes <laughs> the one thing with Miss October is unhealthy addiction to caffeine <laughs> <laughs> well we're looking forward to uh, what's going to be an amazing celebration for yes. our 50th Oktoberfest here in Kitchener Waterloo 50th it's, yeah, it's incredible. It is, and, and to see how much it's innovated and changed too really is exciting to mm-hmm. me. Um, which I guess leads into the the misconceptions as well. Some of them, yeah. um, because the festival has been working so hard to innovate not only what it has to offer, but um, just growing alongside the community too. So it's a very exciting time, I think. And always so wonderful at, at being receptive to that growth. I mean, years ago, the it was like, you know, we there were there were um, women from like Texas coming up to compete. Yeah. And it t- kind of didn't really fit that community vibe and that, and that hence the within 80 kilometers. We want you to know the community. We want you to understand the culture. You know, those kind of yes. things are very important. So the way that Oktoberfest I think has showed its willingness to evolve is one of the key reasons um, that it's so successful and about to celebrate its 50th year. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Michaela Emmerich, Miss Oktoberfest, congratulations on an amazing year to you. Jen, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Anytime. We'll be at the gala with you. There's always some tears. It's always a wonderful night and uh, always some tears. And again, the website uh, for anybody who's looking for information is... Miss O dot Oktoberfest dot CA. It is nine twenty eight. We are off to the newsroom and then we are going to make your picky eater finish their food after nine thirty on five seventy news. Alexa, what station has the best breaking news weather and traffic? Five seventy news, obviously. We are back on 570 News. Thanks for coming back with us. If you are honest, as a parent, I think the number one parent-child struggle in a household, universally, well, maybe not universally, it's just a North American thing. Sometimes I think it is because we're so indulged. Um, It's food. It's mealtime. Dinner. How do you get them to eat it? Should you make them eat it? Do they not have to eat it? There's no dessert. You're going to sit there till you finish it. All of that baloney and exhausting kind of conversation that happens at the dinner table. 
And um, how do you raise a food lover? Well, let us find out right now from Heidi Pola. She's a registered dietitian from Proof Inc. And she joins us this morning to talk about raising a food lover. Hi, hi, Heidi. Hi, Heidi. That's a lot. <laughs> yes. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks so much for having me. Um, okay. So I was just, it was funny because I was just having this conversation uh, with our last guests in studio. Um, and I'll And I'll tell the story because it's kind of led me to where I am as a parent, which is entirely confused about how to navigate picky eaters. Because here's the thing. I was the pickiest of eaters. And when my parents caught on to me, you know, kind of spitting food into a napkin and throwing it in the garbage, then I would go as far as to like wait for them to leave the room and like hide the food underneath the carpet in the dining room until later when I could come back. So I really was picky. But I am now the kind of most adventurous eater. I will literally eat anything. So now as a parent, I struggle with that because I remember and I know that I was super picky and I know that I've ended up as the least picky person in the world. So how do I enforce it? Do I not enforce it? Um, You know, do I make them try things? Do I not make them try things? It's just, it seems like a simple thing to eat dinner, but it really is not. Yeah, yeah, and I hear a lot of similar stories with parents coming in and seeing me. Um, so, you know, one of the easiest ways to help raise a food lover is really just to involve our children in the cooking process, in the planning process, in the shopping process, really just, you know, getting them involved and getting them excited about food. And that's what I'm here to talk about today. Okay, so I know for sure that when they're involved in the kitchen, it certainly increases the likelihood that they want to eat, that they want to eat the food um, that they're helping uh, to create. So when we're doing that, when we're we're involving them in that process, um, are we kind of, should we be allowing that kind of, well, I don't like eggplant, so I don't want to make this. Are we giving choice in that way? Or is it the parent deciding what we're making and they're deciding kind of how much of it they're going to eat? Yeah, that's a really good uh, question. So I really uh, do encourage um, parents to give our children um, some choice. So um, we can provide different options for our kids and then they decide how much of that food they want to eat and which of those foods you're offering that they want to eat. And ultimately, it's up to the kids, you know, what foods they're consuming and what quantity, uh, because we don't want to create a power struggle around food at all. Um, so that's where we give uh, our children some choice and then they feel empowered to, you know, make those decisions. Okay, so mm-hmm. we've put the food out. They are, um, you know, d- deciding how much of that food they're going to choose and which ones yes. they're going to choose. What if my kid just fills his plate entirely with broccoli? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's okay. You know, I think we're, we're going to find that as our kids grow up, their taste will change and their appetite will change. And it's totally okay for our children to favor some foods at certain stages of their life more than others. So I think just offering a variety of different foods uh, is really important. So uh, our children get more exposure to uh, all sorts of different foods. And even, you know, bringing them to the grocery store with Mm -hmm. you and having them shop 
and letting them decide, you know, a new fruit or vegetable that they've never had before. Letting them choose one new food each week can be really exciting for them. Yeah, we had a big, ex- yeah. we had a lot of excitement over a dragon fruit because it was so beautiful oh, to cut yeah. into. So, and yeah. I don't know that anybody wanted to eat it again, but they certainly enjoyed the experience of, you know, picking that out and cutting it open and seeing the colors. And so, um, even that is probably a beneficial experience, even if they, you know, don't want to eat it again. Oh, definitely. Yes. And, you know, it does take, uh, a few different exposures to foods before children decide whether or not they like a food. So I always say 20 times. Um, so really just getting our kids 20. to try 20 times. 20 yeah, times. Our tastes, yeah, our tastes do change as we, you know, become adults. And like you said yourself, you used to be so picky, and now you're at a point where you love all foods. So yeah, goes to show. Yeah, it's a problem actually. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, still lots of, uh, of questions to ask you. Okay, so then mm-hmm. if they're if they're um, let's say that they you know kind of eat the plate of broccoli um, and that's what they want to eat and they want to eat that for you know two or three days in a row. Is it okay then to allow that, you know, um, cookie or a little bit of ice cream if they've chosen that? Like, do they have to eat everything that's on their plate after that? I really need complete direction here. Great question. (laughs) So um, I don't uh, actually encourage using foods as a reward. So I think it's totally appropriate to have dessert as part of a meal and, um, you know, not making it like a bargain. If you finish everything on your plate, you get this cookie. Um, so I think, you know, treats are, you know, a part of healthy eating. So I definitely think that they have a place in a regular healthy diet, not as a reward. Not as yeah. a reward. Don't use yeah. food as a reward. Okay. Yes. Um, and it's, I mean, it does make a lot of sense. I mean, I'm as a, as a grown up, I get to kind of decide what I want to eat or what I feel like eating or what I'm in the mood for. And we, mm-hmm. I think we have to remind ourselves and remember that our kids don't, they don't have any of that control. I mean, somebody is literally deciding every single thing they're going to eat yeah. all the time. And that's kind of, I mean, that's, I, I, I know, I know it's a lot of joy for us as, as adults to kind of, um, decide what we're, what we want to eat and what we're in the mood for it. And, and kids really don't have that. So we have to kind of keep, be cognizant of that. Oh, definitely. And, you know, a recent study was done by PC Children's Charity, and it revealed that uh, 90% of Canadians believe that building good eating habits in kids will extend into adulthood. So it really is an important time for our kids to uh, develop some key life skills, um, you know, that will keep them going and, you know, becoming uh, healthy Canadians later in life. So, and I know I know you do a lot of work with um, with Zares, and so let's yeah. talk about this raise a food lover challenge. How do we how do we take this pledge? What do we do? Yeah, so it's a pledge going on right now, and um, it's happening. You can check out our website at zares.ca and find out more details. Uh, but right now, we've got actually the Cook Together Family Challenge, and this is running till September the twelfth. And what we are doing is inviting Canadian families to cook and eat at least one meal together every week. And when you do this, snap a picture, post it to social media with the hashtag Raise a Food Lover, and you can win some prizes and also some PC Optimum points, which is bonus. Oh, that's fun. 
That's fun. Yeah. And just once a week. I know, and I know everybody's busy and because sometimes it's overwhelming to think. I, a lot of moms um, in my neighborhood talk about going to the grocery store as like a little mini vacay. You know what I mean? You get a, kind yeah. of some, a break from the kids. But it's sure. probably going to give you more joy and more, um, and more movement in terms of their diets and their, and their likes um, if you do involve them, right? So, you oh, know, 100%. taking them. Yeah. Um, yeah. All those great programs too that you guys have at, um, at, at Zares and Loblaws and Superstore about like the mm-hmm. kitchens that they can go in and, and do little kind of camps where they learn how to cook. Those are great yeah. too. Yeah, we have uh, cooking classes we do regularly throughout the year. The camps are wonderful. Um, and then our dietitians, like myself, um, we offer all sorts of nutrition support for parents and families. We do field trips with school. So we really are fun ways to uh, get kids engaged and really excited about nutrition. And, uh, you know, we can have kids even at the tender tender age of two becoming involved in the meal planning and the cooking process. So really uh, coming up with um, tasks based on their skill level and their age and, yeah, getting them involved. Yeah, I have two eight-year-olds who are learning okay. how to chop right now. And they, yeah. I mean, as much as it gives me anxiety, it does make me very happy to see them want to want to kind yeah. of be in there helping and, and chopping up vegetables in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, that's something great that they can do at that age. And um, they can even start, you know, putting together their own lunches and their meals as well. So it's great to see that you're doing that with your kids. Heidi Pola is a registered dietitian from Proof Inc. We are uh, happy to have had you on this morning, Heidi. Thank you so much for taking some time for us and telling us about the Raise a Food Lover Challenge. Oh, thanks, Jennifer. That was fun. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye bye. Uh, you know what else is good about the kids in the kitchen is they become, um, and we've talked about this, like with our composting um, program here in Waterloo, Waterloo Region, they become quite aware of how much food is getting wasted and thrown away because that whole thing, there are starving children all over the world, and it does, it went right over my head. When I was a kid, it goes right over their heads as well. Although I will confess to have, I've busted that out a couple times just because I'm completely out of ideas on how to get them to eat. And I just, you know, you kind of revert back to whatever you were told as a child. Remember, do you remember in um, Dirty Dancing? Baby, baby wants to send her leftover pot roast to, and I can't remember, insert country here. Do you remember that? Yeah. 9.44. What are your college kids spending your money on? Oh, confessions. Did you spend your parents' money uh, on something that you shouldn't have during college? Look at all the heads. Yep. Nodding. Yep. Yep. Um, Did your parents help pay for your school? Star 570-519-570-2545. How did it work for you when you went to school? Or maybe you have students, college kids who are on their way to school, or maybe they're at university right now. Um, Let's talk about finances. It's not fun. Nobody, it's not, I know it's kind of, you know, a little bit nerve wracking. We have this aversion to it. Um, Did you pay for yourself to go to school? Did you pay for your, did you, did your parents help? Um, and did you spend some of that money on something ridiculous? I do believe that our two producers, producer Luke uh, and producer Aaron, have some confessions to make, too, because they were both nodding. Yep, yep. What did you waste your parents' money on during college? We'll talk about that after this 570 News. Every pitch. Best you'll ever see. Every hit. Built it. 
every play, every game. Follow the Toronto Blue Jays through all 162. An incredible catch. 570 News, your home for Toronto Blue Jays baseball. It is an exciting time in a university town, in a college town, as we welcome, welcome all of the new students from uh, afar who are joining us in Kitchener-Waterloo at Conestoga or at uh, Wilfrid Laurier or at the University of Waterloo. We hope that you enjoy uh, and love your time here. Um, in our beautiful, beautiful cities. Uh, we are happy that you're here, most certainly. And um, gosh, I really vividly remember that that first week, that frosh week, um, and that excitement and that fun and um, nervousness, that good anxiety, the good anxiety that came along with going to school. I went to Humber um, and uh, loved every second of it every second of it. And um, my parents paid for some of my school. I paid for some of my school. Um, And certainly I think that children paying for some of their college is really a good thing because it means they're kind of invested, right? If if you fail a a course, I mean, uh, it's completely on you and you got to pay money to take it again. So you're like, oh gosh, I think I'm going to show up for that class. Even if it is Friday morning after pub night, is pub night still Thursday? Is Thursday night still pub night? Is every night pub night? I don't even know how that works anymore either. <laughs> Luke, producer Luke, this is how old I am. When I was at college, you could smoke in the bar. Oh, yeah? At college. Yeah, yeah. There was, people was smoking all over the place. So that's, that's a while ago. It was 1998. Uh, okay, so how long ago were you at school, Luke? Uh, well, I mean, college, college was pretty recent, but yeah. I also went to university. So you did both. At Laurier. Ooh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. What an educated fo- fellow you are. Um, and we all know it's expensive. Oh, we yeah. know it's expensive. I mean, it it really is. Um, so how did it go in your, did you pay for some, your parents paid for some student loans, all of the above? I'd like to say it was a, a little bit of a... You know, both of us contributing, but definitely the the family and parents helped a, a lot, which is so, amazing. Yeah, it's wonderful to not lucky. leave school and have you know seventy five thousand dollars worth of debt because oh, yeah. that's terrifying to me. Uh, okay, so let's see if you fit the survey results here, Luke. Uh, this survey says uh, that this percentage of millennials, I hate the word millennials, how about we just say people, admit they lied to their mom and dad about what, about what they're spending their, their parents' money on. Did you lie ever to your parents about what you were spending their money on? I, f- I feel like if I did, it was <laughs> it was very sparingly. I okay. mean, I'm, I was very respectful of the fact that, it, you know, it's not my money. Um, the parents are helping me out quite a bit, and OSAP helped me out. And OSAP, too. But I mean, every once in a while, the friends are going out to the bar, and you're kind of thinking, you know, maybe... Well, that's be, part of nice. the experience. Yeah, yeah, for isn't sure. It? But your generation, I was 19 when I went to school. I was 19 in my last year of high school because we had OACs. But, I mean, it must be... when you're Because a lot of kids going to school now are, what, 17? Yeah, when I started, I was 18. 18, yeah. okay. So, yeah, I mean, you're, obviously you're not getting into any of those bars. Responsible Waterloo Region establishments. I know that because, and again, in that time when I could go, you could a fake ID was no problem. Now you have to have like a printing press to make a fake ID. <laughs> you can't make a fake ID anymore. 
Um, so, well, you're, 35% of uh, kids say they've lied to mom and dad about what they were spending their parents' money on. Um, and the, uh, the biggest thing that kids are spending their parents' money on is, da, 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 it's not beer. Really? It's food. Well, you, but food. I you don't have to lie that you're going to spend money on food. You yeah. tell your mom or dad, hey, could I get some money for food? They're not going to be like, no. You got to eat. You got to feed yourself. Half the time my mom was texting me being like, have you eaten today? <laughs> like, yes, don't worry. <laughs> Did you eat a lot of noodles? Oh, yeah. I ate so many you know, noodles. Well, my go-to, like, because every college student has their go-to, like, poor student food. And yeah. mine was, like, microwavable, um, like, chicken pot pies, okay. which are probably terrible for you in terms of sodium and all that stuff, but something about it, it just, it was a go-to. It well, was bad. it's carbs and it kind of makes you feel good. And we figured out, because again, it was a long time ago, my, um, the floor at Humber, my floor at Humber, our floor uh, R7, we figured out how to make like boxed craft dinner, but in the micro, because we didn't have a stove, we just had a microwave. Like it was before craft dinner made a microwavable product, you yeah. know, so we would make craft dinner in the microwave. And add a can of tuna into it and frozen peas. And that's what we would... It's pretty gourmet. I know. We thought we were doing... Actually, my floor, we had a little bit of a tradition. There's this uh, local pizza place where you can get like a huge pizza for $10. So we'd all chip in and get this pizza and eat it. And we had a common room. And we had the idea that we were going to collect these pizza boxes and make like drapes for our common room. Oh, nice. Um, and we we got pretty close. But after a while, it started to smell really bad. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. It was, it was a little greasy. It was pretty awful. So, yeah, spending their money on, on stuff to eat out. Okay. I mean, I don't think that's a big problem. Uh, 60% of college kids say they use the money to buy clothes. Uh, 53% they said they had used money on uh, drinks and snacks. And about 25% said, yes, I use some of my parents' money for partying. And I think probably what the issue is, is that books and uh, tuition don't show up on the list. But of course, they're asking you probably the more tawdry questions. Uh, Hi, Mike, Star 570. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Very good. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Thanks for calling. Awesome. Uh, you know, I, you're talking about going back to college and school. I'm so happy I'm done with it. <laughs> are you? Yes. I, I, once in a while, I have to take courses and stuff, and I just don't don't look forward to doing it. So, <laughs> Like, do you take the courses at school or, like, online? Uh, sometimes it's courses that our company will send us on and small things like that. So, so Mike, but, did you did you waste any of your parents' money? Well, you know, it's kind of funny to ask yeah, because it, it's, uh, I don't th- wouldn't say I wasted the money because they lent me the money to buy my first computer. Okay. Because we needed it during class. And I said I, I had to have it and it would be better if I buy the best of the best. And at the time, it was the first time they brought out those Pentium computers. Yeah. So I got the top of the line Pentium computer, but I then found out that they had some great games for them. <laughs> so, so even though my parents helped me buy it, they thought I was using it for classes. I have to admit, though, I think I played a lot of games on it. Of course. Instead. I mean, Mike, you know what? Win-win for you. And I mean, yeah, you know, it's an educational tool. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Mike. No problem. I have to confess, too, that I did. I mean, this is... Aaron Anderson's going to love this. I spent some of my parents' money first year at Humber in the radio broadcasting program on my very first tattoo. I got a tattoo with my parents' money. So thank the good Lord Buddha and Mother Nature and whoever you believe in that this radio thing has actually worked out for me because I think they thought it was just going to... Like, here she goes, screwing it up again. So anyway... 22 years and counting, Dad. I think it's going to work out. 
Uh, and my friend Stephanie just sent me this. She's a teacher, uh, and I think it's kind of beautiful. For all those kids who are moving in, those adults who are moving into residence this week, um, this is an interesting little piece for you. A small request for first-year students moving in. When your mom wants to make your bed and unpack all, all your clothes, let her. When your dad wants to introduce himself to every single person in your residence hall, let him. When they want to take pictures of your every single step this weekend, let them. If they in, are embarrassing you or go a little heavy on the hugs, let them. As you start this new chapter of your life, they're starting a chapter of theirs too. And believe it or not, this is probably more difficult for them than it is for you. So let them treat you like their baby. Just one last time. It is 9.57 and Jeff Pickle is on his way in. He'll be in the seat for Mike Farwell today. Enjoy the rest of this Wednesday and I will talk to you tomorrow.